I think that like you need those sort of juxtapositions. And so Virgil in some way was like always new ideas, always, you know, and he goes, what if we uh, do this to the facade of the Brooklyn Museum and then just dumped it in and all that, you know, and it was just like, a, it was <laughs> as, a pro, as a process, a curatorial process, it's difficult because you just want like, okay, here's the idea, here's the, you know, and, and then we'll work through this and we'll, you know, do all, you know, but he was just like, this could be the biggest success or the biggest failure, you know, like, yeah. but I wasn't going yeah. to like not, you know, sort of take the risk. Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. Live arts look behind the scenes at how the global art market really works. I'm your host, Marion Maneker. This podcast is brought to you by Live Art, the global art marketplace that puts you in control. Download the Live Art app to get all of the most relevant art market information as well as access to exclusive private sales. Or visit us at liveart.io. Antoine Sargent became a director at Gagosian Gallery in 2021 after a decade as a writer and curator, most notably of the book and now exhibition, The New Black Vanguard, Photography Between Art and Fashion. In this podcast, he discusses the global success of the new Black Vanguard show and his upcoming collaboration with late designer and artist Virgil Abloh. That exhibition will open in June at the Brooklyn Museum. Social Works, his first show for Gagosian, was a major event in Chelsea. There were lines around the block for admission. Gagosian's Chelsea galleries have previously seen such lines for shows about Picasso's late works, curated by his biographer, John Richardson, and a blockbuster Monet exhibition mounted by former MoMA curator John Elderfield. Social Works was so successful, Gagosian accelerated the launch of Social Works 2 in London from 2022 to last fall. In this podcast, Sargent tells us of the potential for a third Social Works show and where it might be held. We hope you enjoy it. The thing I most wanted to discuss with you, Antoine, is this... um, this kind of sense that you've had one of those years that to people from the outside probably looks like an overnight success, but yeah. I'm betting is more like a, a decade-long overnight uh, success. Right. You posted something recently about the um, New Black Vanguard show, which is now in Detroit. Yep. Had something like 10,000 visitors in less than a month. Three weeks. <laughs> and, and that show was coming from France? Yeah, so this show... Obviously originated in New York with the publication of the book at Aperture Foundation. Um, the New York Art Press absolutely ignored that show. Just to sort of show you exactly where they are. You know, so that happened. So we had the show in New York. It traveled into Australia. And it was up for a couple of weeks. And the pandemic happened. And then we sort of reconfigured went online. From Australia, it went to Doha to M7 Museum. And then from Doha, it went to Arles, France, um, for the photo festival there. I think the number was like 85,000 people saw the show in France. And traveling concurrently through Europe and through the United States. Right now in the United States, it, it went to MICA in Baltimore. And then now it's at the Detroit Institute of Arts through um, the spring before it goes to Cleveland Museum and then on to the West Coast. And um, in February, February 5th, in fact, it opens in Switzerland um, at the Museum of Fine Arts in this small town called 
Lacone, I think the, the small town's called. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, you, can, you can't really sort of predict that, but um, it really, I think because the, the, the show and the book really sort of captured a real sort of moment as people were sort of thinking about it and, and sort of as being lived. And then they're like, oh, here's this book, here's this show. This is exactly what's happening. Couldn't put my finger on it. And so, you know, you only do that sort of projects like once in a generation or something. I mean, it's not like all of my curatorial projects will sort of have that um, effect. You should be so lucky to have that. Exactly. I, I understand that. <laughs> but it sounds like what's happening is it's not like you planned this all in advance, that uh, as the show's up, other people have been coming and asking to, you know, if there are two shows running concurrently, you essentially had to duplicate the show mm -hmm. with photography as possible and yep. then uh, uh, be able to present it. But so there, there's an, a steady stream of institutions who are interested in uh, booking it after seeing it and or the success it's having in, in these various locations for sure and I mean and, it, and that's you know one of the things that's sort of interesting you know it's like why are they interested you know it sort of becomes interesting and, and from one institution you know inst each institution has their realities and it does something different than what sort of photography black photography has done in those spaces, right? This is essentially a show that sort of is thinking about dress and fashion, and uh, but also thinking about that in relationship to not only a history in a community, but also in relationship to our historical sort of um, 19th, 20th century um, use of photography by photographers like Carrie Mae Weems, by, you know, um, folks like um, Rode Carava, James Van Der Zee, right? And then using that, sort of seeing those images, downloading those images in their mind, and then sort of using that as a springboard to say something really contemporary, you know, and to comment in sort of a way that is a little bit more direct than um, museums have sort of played it before, right? Usually what you do, something happens and then you sort of write a book and then comment on it and do a show. This is happening in real time. Folks are uploading images on Instagram, on Tumblr, on Twitter, making their own books right now, you know? Um, since the new Black Vanguard came out, Tyler Mitchell has released a book. Uh, Nadine Ajuria has released a book. And then there's, you know, Campbell Alley is about to release a book. Like this is happening in real time, which is so like fascinating. Um, and also just a different way to think about uh, a curatorial practice, but also how to engage artists. And, and I assume you're not sort of re-editing the show. That would be impossible to keep up with all, all of this. No, but there is one section I do re-edit. I edit at every sort of stop, which is sort of this salon style wall where you know, artists from that region, uh, folks who I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Let's throw that in. You know, like that part does sort of evolve as you go from place to place. In Detroit, um, the curator that sort of took the show was like, there are some local photographers working in this way. I was like, throw them in. I mean, this show has now been on a road since 2019. And if this show is going to travel for the next several years, some part of it needs to sort of change or respond at least to the location in which it's being shown. So that, that requires you to go to each of the openings to participate in that? I am involved in every one of those shows, despite that, you know, there was a sort of a receiving curator, right? Yeah. We were in the middle of COVID, so I didn't get to go to Australia or to Doha, but I did went to France. I'll go to, I was trying to work out if I can get to Switzerland with like the new sort of, you know, sort of uh, lockdowns and stuff. Um, I'll go to Detroit in March and I'll give a lecture. So yeah, so like it is definitely like an ongoing 
curatorial sort of engagement at each of these places. And what's the difference in the reaction? I mean, you haven't been to Detroit, but you were in Arles and you were here in New York. Do you have a, yep. a sense? I mean, is it localized or is there like a European versus uh, American way of approaching this? Yeah, I mean, I think that like because it was really not a just like sort of an American perspective on sort of photography or on this sort of generation or in what I call this movement, you know, New Black Vanguard. And so like the conversations in New York around this stuff, very different than the conversations in France, right? Because their relationships to blackness are different, right? And um, conversations in Detroit, Detroit, with the history it be having with Motown and blackness and that being a majority black city and all, you know, all of those things has a very different relationship. Like that museum has an African American sort of, um, section, right? Like in yep. sort of, uh, um, the DIA there, right? And so there are these different perspectives. And then like when it was at MICA, which is a, you know, a university, I had this whole conversation with the MICA community. The campus was shut down, but the, the students could see it, not the outside. And so it was like really interesting because I got a lot of emails from people I didn't even know. Like I just got my email, like, can you get me to, in to see the show or whatever? And there was a few people that they, they could, they let me sort of like slide in, but it was mostly sort of for students. And so that was sort of interesting because like that, demographic that, you know, student population is just literally several years younger than, you know, some of these photographers, you know, Cole Lemons is like 24, you know, like, you know, like, I don't know, like, it was important for me to sort of think about artists who were working literally in this generation and thinking about pictures, you know, yeah. which is very different than sort of, like, you know, the, the job that you know, I do at the gallery or some of the other curatorial sort of museum sort of shows that I'm doing, like, you know, Virgil Abloh at the Brooklyn Museum is a very different show, right, than New Black Vanguard. You know, Social Works 1 and 2 are very different shows than Virgil Abloh survey and a group show around sort of fashion photography, right? Those are like very different obviously very different things. Well, let's talk about both of those things. Uh, it, it would be enough for most people to have had the experience you've been having with New Black Vanguard. That'd be a full-time job. But at the same time, you've become a director at Gagosian and you put on two shows, one in New York, one in uh, London, mm -hmm. both called Social Works 1 and 2. The opening of Social Works at the Gagosian Gallery in Chelsea, it was like Oscar night. Or the Grammys. It, 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 there was a line around the block. People were dressed up. Uh, you posted at some point, I think, before, during or after, you know, sort of the best looks uh, mm -hmm. uh, and all. And I, I wanted to get some of your take on what, what was going on there. I think two things happen. I think I, I think I just get lucky with timing in some ways. Not saying that I, I don't think my, my shows are, you know, great and all that thing. But I do think that that because we, the art world had like just it was like the first big show of the art world sort of coming back. And so I think you had sort of this energy of people just pent up energy of people who had largely just stayed in their houses, you know, sort of in there like this show, it's, it's huge. And then, you know, you have this huge David Adjaye sculpture and all, you know, all this in all these different artists and it was intergenerational. And so you sort of had all of that. But then I think you just had people wanting to be like, I have not seen art or an exciting show in such a long time. And this is the first time that we can really, really gather again. And so I think that was part of it. I think the other part of it was like, New Black Vanguard was like, 
uh, you know, with, with art books, eight people buy art books. You know, it's like a curator, a grad student, student, you buy one, you might buy one for your mother. Like no one buys art, but you know, like in that way, you know, like, and let alone talk about them, let alone like, you know, I, people still to like, I mean, the book's been out since yep. 2019, like right before I was on this, you know, this, I hopped on, you know, the pod with you was getting tagged into photos of people having it on their tables or gifting it to their grandparents or like, you know, the, the message I just got now was like, um, from, you know, just woman saying that it was sold out and then somehow her daughter found a copy and gave it to her for Christmas, you know, like it's like, it's sort of a thing that's beyond sold out that the publishers what are they having trouble getting them shipped from the color printers in asia no or it's no, no no it's it's produced in italy thank you very much <laughs> it's just keeps selling out and so it's a good problem to have and so we're restocking i think we're in our fourth or fifth printing of this book and which is again crazy yeah. i was like you know mission complete did the thing have the show have the you know and yeah. then then this happened and i was like how, why are, you know, I was like sort of shocked that everyone sort of responded to social works that way. And not only that, the New York, you know, sort of art press also was very kind about it, which I, which is not always the case, you know? <laughs> no, in fact, rarely the case. Yeah, rarely the case, yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I think there are two different things about that show. There's the show itself. Yep. It, it was a, it was a really good survey. And I, were you always planning to do the London one? Well, the London show was a totally different show. I had always thought of that show as a three in three sections. And so there is another section of the show I would like to do, right? I had laid out sort of these three shows. You're getting this first, but there's this idea. I would like to do the third and final sort of installment of the show in Los Angeles. And, like you know, so I thought, like, I'll do one one year. Then I'll go off and do, like, write another book and do whatever. And then... And then I was just like, oh, it seems sort of, we, the slot was open. We had already, I, I was like, I think I can get this over the line. I think I can sort of get it done. And I just called the artist and I said, I have a crazy idea. Um, you know, you have a couple of months and this is the idea. This is the vision. This is how it sort of happens. And again, everybody said yes. Having artists who are just like game is like a game changer, you know? Like when you have a gallery with the sort of resources that they have and artists who are like willing, you know, that sort of, those are the two things you sort of need. Yeah, well, you can't, you can't do it without the cooperation of the art artist. Yeah. No amount of money is going to change the exactly. fact that, you, you know, getting... And, and, and also the production of new works, right? Unless the person, you know, unless the artist is no longer with us, then that's a different sort of, you know, conversation. But like, if you're around... I, you know, like, I want to see some fresh ideas, you know? Well, will you be also doing uh, uh, artist-specific shows? Yeah, I mean, I have, in March, I'm doing a series of exhibitions at Park and 75, which is um, the gallery that's up, one of our galleries uptown. Those are all individual presentations with artists who I've just had long dialogues with. And so, so the first show is Awal Ariscu, um, who's, who's actually in the new Black Vanguard, but also a wonderful sort of uh, photographer and conceptual artist. And, you know, that's the sort of first show that I'm doing um, solo sort of presentation by an artist. It's going to be followed by Alexander Smith, um, who's in Social Works 1 and 2. And then you'll have Amanda Williams, um, who's Chicago-based sort of social practice artist. And, like, the three of those shows could not be more different than, you know, than you have, like, AWOL, who's sort of thinking through sort of this idea of... Um, signs and symbols, um, particularly 
the Sphinx as it relates to sort of African-American and African uh, um, sort of uh, mythology and sort of thinking. And then, you know, you have Alexandra who sort of has created this whole sort of like world um, of allegory around, you know, black femme identity and black, you know, um, women, womanhood. But none of the work is sort of, say, uh, a part of this sort of moment where we have black painters uh, sort of being sort of, ex- you know, extraordinarily interested in realism, right? And right. so she's sort of totally has sort of thought about some, you know, those questions of identity and power and, re- and representation and and the and painting and collapsing sort of uh, the 2D with the 3D and all, you know, and sort of using sort of a mixed media approach. And sort of applied that to sort of this surrealist sort of allegorical sort of picture that she's interested in, right? Then you have Amanda Williams who is, you know, thinking about um, community, right? And thinking about sort of, it comes out of that social works, you know, sort of framework and sort of is thinking about sort of the ways in which she can use sort of painting and sculpture um, to think about value and value particularly on the South side of Chicago, right? Hidden value in sort of some of the, folks that sort of maybe work in informal economies inside the community, right? And so so then you're going to have that show, right? And then you'll have, um, you know, coming up Rick Lowe's solo exhibition at the gallery in the fall. And then there'll be another show um, that we're that I'm sort of working out um, with a young artist um, that's going to be in London um, in October. And so, you know, like, Busy year, yes. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, which wow. is which is not to include Virgil Abloh that's going to open at the Brooklyn Museum, you know, um, in June. I think I work so quickly because I like one love artists and love their processes, and like artists are not the most are not the easiest people, but you know, for some reason, I you know, like I really connect with them, and really, and 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 you know, and and having been a writer for so long. There's just been a lot of like conversations I've had over the years where I was like, even with David Adjay and that that um that sort of earthwork that he made for Social Works One, really came out of a conversation I had with him like in 2015 in Chicago when he was like talking about sculpture, and then I just sort of like reread that conversation and then went and then called him one day and I said, "Remember talking about sculpture? Well, like." What would you do if you could create a sculpture? You know what I mean? Were those cast uh, specifically or were those made from precast elements that are used in whatever construction? No, no, those were mad. Those are those that was cast for that work. Yeah. He's been working with this. He's been thinking about sort of rammed earth and like that, that architectural process. And, and, you know, it's a historic, you know, that historical sort of process. Right. And and also thinking about sort of black people's relationships to the earth, right. Through sort of this architecture, right. Through architecture, through non-Western sort of ideas of architecture, right. Um, Or non-European really, you know, ideas um, of architecture. And so, and so he's been thinking about that, but then he's also been thinking about sort of like form over function. Right. And that's how you sort of get those Asai works. And then also just like using the literal ground and where he is. And so in New York, he used the literal ground, right? Gro- you know, limestone. And then in London for that show, he used literal British earth, right? Oh, I didn't realize it was different. So it was totally different materials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Like New York earth, British earth, you know, totally different. Yeah. And so, and that's also the other thing. I was like, you, to be able to do that, you needed the artist's full participation. You know, like for me, it's not a fun job if we can't push and push and push and push like what a, what a gallery is and willing to do. Right. Because like it would be crazy to sort of be like, 
on the face of it, it'd be like, okay, so David Adjit, yes, he is like one of the, you know, most revered architects of his generation, if not the most, right? And so it's not like, it's not an educated guess because it is, but like, he'd never made sculpture before, right? Yeah, I mean, that can come off as a vanity project exactly. as well as it is. As, I, mean, I, I mean, if you couldn't put the bodies in the uh, gallery the way you have, at some point this wouldn't go on or it would take a year at all. I mean, the, it's the reaction is as important as the risks that you're taking. I mean, exactly. Obviously, you know, having the infrastructure there makes it possible for you to do bigger th yeah. things. And I, I'm sort of curious, you, you brought up Virgil, the Virgil Abloh show. Um, that was planned a long time ago, or is this something that you're kind of racing since uh, he died recently and and all to... And Pasternak um, from the museum called me, uh, the director of the Brook Museum called me and said, I really want to take the MCA Chicago traveling exhibition, but I want to sort of rethink it in New York. And, and I was like, okay, cool. And she goes, and Virgil wants you to do it. And I go, I don't even know Virgil, you know, like I, I have never, you know, we've never met. I, you know, I know I obviously knew to work. I mean, and so she just set up a phone call and that was in, uh, maybe October or November, 2019, right after New Black Vanguard. And I was sort of exhausted, you know, <laughs> like, um, and so I just took the call and we, I just liked what he was sort of saying on the phone. And I was just like, well, let's try, you know, like I, I, I didn't really sort of have at that point a pr real perspective on the work. I had seen some things that were successful, some things that were not successful. Um, I knew that he was just like out here creating a whole ton, which I thought was sort of an interesting sort of model. And I, I saw that he would sort of like, one day he would be like with Rem Coolhouse and working on a project. And the next day he would be with like Arthur Jaffa. And then the next day he would be with, you know, like it was just sort of like, I was like, that's sort of an interesting idea for an artist and also the way that he was sort of expressing his ideas across design and fashion and architecture and you know all of those I was like that's sort of a I think that's where we're going you know you have artists now with like Hollywood agents and stuff you know and then you have artists with like toy deals and you have art you know like I think that like like folks want to do more right because I think folks have recognized that the the sort of quote-unquote institutional art world that we sort of have lived in will is only sort of satisfies one aspect of their desires as a maker, as a creator. And so I thought that he was sort of one of the... And the appetite. Exactly. And so that was sort of interesting to me. If we if we're really mean what we say in terms of expanding sort of the canon and expanding sort of what museums are and who they're for, then they need to respond to sort of the cultural moments in which they are living through, right? And so who knows if this sort of multidisciplinary sort of artist sort of really takes shape and be something, you know, 50 years from now. But it is now, and I think that, like, we have an obligation to respond to that because also they have audiences too, right? And if we really are sort of real about saying that we want to invite all, you know, we want to engage really a lot of different audiences in galleries and museums and publications and magazines, you know, all of that, then you have to sort of do shows that for, do it. for the different audiences. You know, I, I, my sort of belief is that, you know, art is for everybody, but not every show is for everybody, right? And so you can do a lot of different sort of things in a museum, in your space, that appeal to different publics, right? And I think that I like that Anne does that. I think Anne does it the best from sort of the big New York museums, right? And I was like, of course you want to take Virgil's show. Yeah, we had a conversation. And then for the last couple of years, we've been working on the show. And then he obviously passed away um, several weeks ago. And we were still sort of at work, you know? And so the show, 
um, was mostly planned. I don't want it to be retrospective. I don't think, I think that's a very different show. I was just going to ask, has, has, his, has his death changed the nature of the I, show? I think that like, because he was so adamant about sort of these, making these two very big gestures, that I think you keep those gestures because it, it, we, that's the show that we planned. But I do think that there should be um, sort of a legacy component to the show. And so I'm right now, right, what's happening is I'm trying to figure out um, the legacy component of the show. Of this show, not a, not a second show. Not, not a second show, this show. We're going, we're changing just some of the, we're going to sort of slightly change some stuff to get to the legacy part. So it'll be a little bit like what you described with the new Black Vanguard, having something that's adaptable. You have the part that he, he was participating in, and now you're trying to create almost like a coda. Yeah, yeah, That makes sense, you know? And also, because collaboration was so huge for him, I want to sort of engage some of the collaborators. And so it won't be... So this second sort of... We have our curated part, but this other part that's going to happen in this space will also engage the sort of desperate, you know, sort of motley crew of, of, of collaborators. And so you'll have... Just about everybody. He was fearless. I mean... Well, it, that's the thing. I mean, people dunked on him, especially in the art world. They were like, it's not serious, it's not this. For him to be like, okay, I'm, but I'm still going to do it, you know? And, and also seek people out to sort of like collaborate with and like, you know what I mean? Like, like him and Lawrence Wiener had like an ongoing multi-year, you know, like text exchange, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so it's like... You know, and then it's like him and Arthur Jaffa, him and Kanye West, him and Rome Coolhouse, yeah. him and Hans Ulrich, him and, you know, like all these people who by definition are skeptical men, you know, <laughs> like these are not like the easiest people to, you know, to sort of collaborate like, with, yeah. to collaborate with. And so it's like for him to be able to find sort of a spot sort of in all of their practice where they would sort of willing to collaborate with him is sort of an interesting, I, I think, thing. And it also does, I think it does speak to a fearlessness, you know, that it, that is not in the art world right now. 10 years ago, when I sort of first started writing, I was writing about sort of some of the younger black artists. You know, I would have thought that, that the practices would have changed more than they have. And I think they haven't because, they, because the market has been so ferocious in sort of um, validating the idea and and then consuming it, and then right? consuming it, and so now how many more will you make? Exactly, and and I just thought that that people would be pushing on sort of you know on the envelope, you know, and and on sort of what their practice can do and what they can say and stuff like that. And so I think that's sort of one of the things I'm just like, are we still making those paintings? You know, those same paintings, like, yeah. you know, in yeah. the in that way. And and I think that like fine, fine, you know, that's that's a that's an art practice. But I I think that like you need those sort of juxtapositions and so Virgil in some way was like always new ideas always you know and he goes what if we uh do this to the facade in Brooklyn Museum and then just dumped it in and all the you know and it was just like a, it was <laughs> as a pro as a process a curatorial process it's difficult because you just want like okay here's the idea here's the you know and, and then we'll work through this and we'll you know do all you know but he was just like this could be the biggest success or the biggest failure you know like yeah. but I wasn't going yeah. to like not you know sort of take the risk so I uh speaking of risk-taking. Uh, uh, I have one other thing I want to ask you about. You had a great quote in um, Harper's Bazaar uh, about a story about uh, you and a group of pe people, but someone was uh, effectively asking you, hey, 2020 was a traumatic year. 
Uh, we've all worked really hard to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. Basically, tell me it's all better. Right. And you had this quote in Harper's where you said, well, look, if you're being honest or serious about this, we collect nothing but, uh, you know, African diaspora artists for 400 years, and then we'd be even. Mm -hmm. And Going that, to that's obviously not, you know, uh, I suppose my question is about people's expectations. Mm -hmm you know, uh, uh, what they want for, from all of this. That was my point in sort of responding that way, was that, like, what do you reasonably expect after three years? Do you feel better? Do you want to move on? Then move on. But if you are engaged in this fight, um, it's going to take several centuries because that's how we got here. And so let's not sort of, so let's just do the work. You know, let's just all endeavor to do the work and stop sort of being like, things have changed. And, and you know, and, and I just, and I, and I, it's sort of infuriating because like the museum directors are the same. The gallery directors are, are largely the same. The artists that are mostly collected are still largely white male, great men. The auction prices are still the artists that were breaking auction records before, before, you know, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and all of that. So, like, tell me, if you're saying something's changed, show me. You know, like, show me the change, right? Because it, cause, cause change isn't Antoine getting a fancy job at Gagosian. Change isn't, you know, uh, Naomi Beckwith getting a fancy job at the, uh, at the Guggenheim. If change is, you know, that's not change. Those are, those are singular people who, by the way, have done this work for a very long time, sort of moving in positions that, they, that, that are sort of, that they sort of deserve anyway, right? And so I don't consider that change. And I also think that, like, it's not, it's not change because we're talking about the first ones in all these scenarios, right? It's like, oh, the first black person to do this and the first black person to do that and the first black person to shoot the cover of this. And I go, Shouldn't we at this point be talking about the 257th black person? Like that's change. Number 257 is the change, right? Not one, yep. right? And so I think that's for me where I'm at with all of this. And I think there has, there's this narrative that for whatever reason is out there that the art world and the culture and the film and television and our politics and all of these worlds have changed. And I go, and I'm like, where? How? You know? D does that make you wary? I mean, in your day-to-day, -day, you plan these things, uh, you work with a lot of people, you plan these, yep. are you conscious of that? Or are you just like, hey, I'm going to do what I think is important or what interests me and everyone else will sort it out? I mean, I, in my day-to-day, -day, I'm super optimistic because the door is open, but it's our responsibility to keep the door open. And so as long as I'm doing these shows, as long as is, is Naomi's doing the things at, at you know, the Guggenheim in, in it, previously at the MCA, you know, as long as we are all sort of committed, to, you know, museums and galleries to keeping the door open, then you, we should remain optimistic. I think one of the things I have seen, which does not make me optimistic, is like if you think about sort of the way that painting, particularly figurative painting, right, had has enjoyed um, over the last few years this uh, market success. You don't see a similar engagement with the museums. You don't see that mu a similar engagement in the press. You don't see a similar engagement in sort of the books, right? And so, like, I think that like just because someone sells a painting, you know, a young guy, you know, for example, Amawako um, sells a painting secondary for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Within what, right? He then now just is just having his first museum exhibition, right? Right. 
And I think that is sort of thing that worries me, that something's out of whack, you know? I, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the thing that, that's been interesting in a broader spec perspective, Gagosian has surpassed many museums' capabilities to put on shows mm -hmm. years ago. And and you are one in a line of curators, you know, from various... Well, that's why I wouldn't... That's why I would never... I mean, no disrespect to museums, but that's why I'd never work at one. They move way too slow. Like, because what they kept saying, like, oh, like... Social Works is like a museum, you know, uh, quality show, museum. Uh, people kept saying that. And I go, no, Social Works is just, it's a show that's happening. And don't say it's a museum quality show, because this show could have never happened in one of our museums. Yeah. Like, that's the point. If anything, it's a critique yeah. of the museums. And and uh, just to go back to the uh, figurative painting, I mean, look, one presumes that this thing with figurative painting specifically the African diaspora one, but just broadly, will it's a cycle like anything else. Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. will be and we'll come back to it and some of these artists will survive and some some won't. That's the way these things uh work. Uh, the, you know, black people are in these paintings as if that's, you know, the end product rather yep. than the incorporation of is that there should be more of a, a, a wide variety of artists. And those artists should be able to express their experience, but not necessarily be, you know, valued for that experience. And also, you, you have to also ask, why is it figurative painting, right, that has had this rise, right? Instead of abstraction or, you know, or anything else, sculpture or installation. I mean, in every sort of part of the art world and of the history of the art world, you have black artists, right? Like, they are just, they are there making all types of things. And I think there's just an interesting question to ask why figuration, right? And I think it's because there has been a long fascination with the black body in our culture. When you have a black figure now, you know a black person made it. And so it also signals to the institution, it signals to your collector friends that, oh no, no, I am I'm I'm woke. I bought yep. the black artist. I you know what I mean? So like, but yeah, it's a cycle, right? Like, so what's gonna happen? And and there's nothing wrong with it being a cycle because there have been other cycles, you know? Yeah, of course. Minimalism uh, well, was a cycle. <laughs> Did you consciously not include uh, black figuration in social work? I no, mean, I, I didn't, didn't but I was like praised for that. <laughs> you know, I didn't consciously not include it. I just thought that like, you know, if you're really sort of paying attention to, you know, black contemporary art, it's broad and varied, right? And so like the conversation that I was having around this sort of idea of space, around social space, around, you know, those artists just didn't work in that sort of medium, right? Like... I mean, you had one, right? You had a uh, Titus does, right? So Titus was included, and it's di you know it's a sort of different sort of type of sort of figuration, but you know Titus, um, you know, does that type of work, and he's also has this robust you know social practice, um, and yeah, and and some of it was like calling a bluff, you know, it's like if you're interested in these artists or in black artists or whatever, then you need to also you can't just be interested in painting. And my first show is going to not do that, you know? Um, and the second show, you had a video from Isaac Julian, you know, that, that was about the figure, you know, you had, you know, um, and so I think that that's also the other part of it was just like the figure in that social work one show was the visitor, right? Because the way that those installations sort of unfolded, for me, the figure were, you were the figure trying to think beyond just like, having to have a figure in a painting as a sort of the valid figure that you can collect and consume. And it's like, no, what does it mean for the audience to be the figure? Well, that and that really was, I mean, I, I, again, the line of people on the street, the just the fact of it, it being a celebration, whether it was the... Uh, 
the pandemic or I think more the sense of, hey, Chelsea is being is a chance for us to be on stage here in Chelsea in a way we haven't been before. And the, the fact that all these institutions, commercial and uh, otherwise, are looking for ways to be more integrated into a community mm-hmm. and have people participate. And, and by the way, the Brooklyn Museum has been doing that for, for years. I mean, they deserve, yeah. uh, you know, not, it's not like they just uh, uh, thought of that yeah. uh, yesterday. I just, I, it was more of a, uh, a signpost than anything else. And like all signposts, it doesn't tell us anything more than here's where we've reached and let's hope we get farther. Yeah, and, and if we can sort of stay in some ways in that space, right? Like, can we build on this, you know? Will other galleries be as daring, right? Like, will they like, because galleries are not, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a financial sort of, you know, like- You gotta sell art. <laughs> and I think in it being sort of this financially driven space, there's been a little less risk, you know, folks have taken. And the one of the reasons when the gallery approached me about, you know, becoming director there, because I had no desire to, to work with artists, sell art, do to, I had no desire to do that, you know, like, I, that was just like, not what I was doing. But one of the reasons was like, I was like, I looked through the exhibition history or whatever, and I obviously had known um, the gallery. And I was like, you know, there are several moments here where it clearly wasn't about selling art in that moment, right? It was about sort of starting a conversation or bringing along folks on a different sort of journey, right? And so I think about like Richard Sarah, right? Like you're just like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, like, yes, he's Richard Sarah now and all of this. And it's like, but he, at one point he wasn't. And and they moved a lot of iron into uh, or steel into those locations on which cost them a lot of money and a lot of effort. Exactly. They took out walls and whatever to be able to show this stuff. Uh, exactly. And it clearly wasn't directly connected to how much you know they they sold on any given date. No, I think they 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 they. Uh, deserve credit for the long view. They've certainly shown that. And I think, you know, you that was sort of the point there for me was like, I don't think I could have worked at a different gallery. God knows others had approached and asked me to do curatorial things about and the big ones. And I just was like, this place is not sort of like you're up and down from one show to the next. It really is in some ways about a conversation, a longer view. And I think that like, whether I'm there for, you know, the next five minutes or the next 15 years, like, I do think that, like, being able to, like, go to Larry and to Andrew and others and and other directors in the gallery and just be like, hey, I have this insane idea. What do you think? And And their response always being, well, game it out for us. Tell us more. How do we, how do you think we can make this work? You know, and it, and it, you, you, you don't, you're not getting no is what you're saying. I'm not getting no. And I think that like, which is very different than some of like my friends who work in, you know, that space and, and, you know, and who have really great ideas and that their galleries or museums or whatever should be doing and that they're not. I, I do think that it is sort of, uh, I say, hate to use the word lucky, but I do feel lucky in the sense that like, I talk to my, my curator friends at museums and it's like, those processes of like, you're so young and you like have to report to this person and you have to sort of present, you know, like, like it's like really like driving people out of those spaces. What I love about galleries is that they move so quickly. So like shows are like, what, doing like 
five and seven weeks, generally, like on average. You yeah. know, sometimes things stay up longer because of like, like Social Works one ran for a longer period of time because so many people were trying to see it and we wanted, you know, all of that. But they're usually up for five to seven weeks and you can just sort of keep going. And what I like about, you know, the gallery is it has so many locations across the world. And I was really sort of interested in like a global platform, not one where it's like, we're just having this conversation in New York, you know? Because I think yeah. one of the things, one of the things I did actually learn in London was that like the conversation, it's just a very different conversation. It's like, it's, it's not like New York comes, like the New York, we like to think New York is the center of the art world. <laughs> the universe. You know what I mean? Of the universe. And it's... No, less so now than ever before. Than ever and before. That's, the re that's part of what you were trying to say about LA. Is like, it's very clear that there, there's a lot going on. There's something everywhere. happening over there, you know? And, you know, even London or, you know, Hong Kong. Like, there are all these sort of different places. And I think I was like, very, I think one of the things that have hurt black artists is that the conversation has been so America-centric. And that you go, then you go to places like Hong Kong or you go to Rome or you did you know, or Paris and they just don't even know who our bigger who our big artists are. And so like it was just important for me to then also be like, okay, great we're having this conversation in America, but can we have it in Rome? Can we have it in Paris? Can we have it in Hong Kong? Because I think that's the only way that the artist, you know, sort of black artists get on, you know, get the same sort of uh stature as, you know, others because those artists are known globally. Yes, and to give give them the, the stature. That's exactly to the earlier question about you know people's expectations uh, of you. It's it's about providing that kind of stature for artists who uh, deserve it and have have just been limited. And for some who deserve it, and some who don't. But you want to take the risk to see. You know what I mean? Like I really, we so we so sort of. I think we like to make this sort of we sort of make this moral argument around this stuff and. I'm guilty of that. And some of it, I'm just like, no, I just want to sort of see what happens if you put a 26-year-old in one of these galleries. And that well, that's, I mean, that's the interesting thing about the global art world today, which is it, it is about finding audiences. And, and, and you were right about the, the market for black figurative painting has proven itself, but the broader sort of cultural influence hasn't necessarily emerged. Nope. And it's not clear whether that's because it doesn't speak to people or because it hasn't been picked up in the right things. You know, where are the t-shirts with, um, you know, Carrie James Marshall paintings on or, or figures inspired by him in toys or whatever. I mean, all of the things that we now see, you know, the way things filter out. I mean, you see that with Basquiat's work from a very different generation and in a very different way, but we haven't seen it with a lot of these other uh, artists. And and I think the only way to find out is to present it to people. And that's that's how it, we don't get to do it top down anymore, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. My point is like, is just that, you know, like, I think that's what's exciting about what I'm sort of advocating for in the gallery and outside the gallery in you know and also even my job there like I you know I have a job there I but I also do whatever I want outside the gallery I think that like those sort of things like the so sort of sorts of controls on people's time and energy and creativity also need to go away you know and I think that was the other thing it's like if I wanted a job at the New York Times writing it's like I have to just like be devoted to that you know institution like I had to be like devoted to this you know the gallery <laughs> and I'm just like I'm Sorry, all of you have so have shown yourselves to lack a legitimacy with the artists that I am working with. So I'm going to need to work across all of you to sort of get to the result that I'm sort of I'm after. It's not that like I just have boundless energy. It's that like the institution of power um, have failed us so that you have to sort of 
build your own, you know, spaceship with all of them to sort of get to where you are trying to go. So you're saying, show me, you guys are on probation with me as much as anything else. That's my perspective. My perspective is like, I'm not grateful and that like you lack a legitimacy in my eyes, but I'm also not going to turn my back on you. Let's work together, but we're going to work together on terms that are not just in service of the institution. And I think that is the different, that's the sort of, that's what I'm agitating for, is to sort of change the rules of engagement, right? Like, I think that's the thing. Like, I mean, it was like, I'm working on this show, this museum show, that's going to happen in 2023 at one of the big museums in New York. And... You know, it was, I had this sort of interesting conversation with the curator. The curator came in, was doing social works and like, I'm working on this or whatever. And like, can you, like, who do you think we should show? I put up a name. I get emails saying that they're going to show this artist. And I was like, great. I'm co-curating with you. There was a big freak out about like, you work at a gallery, blah, blah, blah. I go, the gal, I was like, so is my idea a gallery idea? The museum idea? You know what I mean? Like, like you were not like, we're going to do this together. We're going to work through that, you know? And then because the artist is, uh, you know, represented by a different gallery and then the gallery goes, wait, he works at that gallery. How can he do this? We went and we had a conversation about that. These rules. They've been fast and loose for one set of people, but then like they, they, they seem to be like set in stone for another. And I was just like not willing to take that. Like either I'm going to co-curate this idea with you or you're not having my idea. And I think that like people, they can't make that sort of gesture, right? They need the show. They need the income. They, I'm not sort of saying that that's not the reality that I'm playing with. And because that's not the reality I'm playing. And also just because I don't, you know, it's like, it's not, you know, I just don't care. You know, it's like I rather well, you, sort of own my ideas opposed to not. Well, it sounds like you're you're both keeping them honest, but also not trying to take more than it's an idea and I'd like to participate, but that doesn't come with we need to represent the artist or, you know, interfere with it. Well, I guess that was also my other point. My other point is sort of like the shows that I've been doing at the gallery, I've been working with all types of artists from all different galleries and just being like, let's just do this. It's, it's about the big, the best idea. It's not about like the best idea can only be an idea if it's shown in this one place. You know, like I, I don't subscribe to that. And like, I've just been like, we're going to do this. And if we need to team up and co-present some stuff for the sort of smaller and, and mid-sized galleries that are in New York that are great galleries, it's like that, I, like also that it's like, I don't like I don't need to steal your artist or take your artist. Let's do this together. You know, like I do sort of have that sort of respect for folks, too, that where I'm just like, you know, right. They had that Rachel Uffner uh, sort of article and she was like, they're stealing my artist, you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't want your artist. Like, let, like yeah. maybe we can do this together. Maybe, you know, maybe it makes sense to sort of, you know, co-present. But I also think if the big galleries sort of hollow out the sort of middle galleries and sort of these younger and, and make a situation where younger galleries cannot sort of happen and prosper, then you're going to have a problem. Well, I'm mindful of your time. So uh, uh, this is a great place to end it. So thank you, a Antoine. Thanks so much, Marin. Thank you for joining us at the Artelligence Podcast edited by Colin Ketchin, who also composed the original music. For more episodes, listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to download the LiveArt app or visit us at liveart.io. Please join us for the next episode of the Artelligence Podcast. We're looking forward to it. <laughs>